Hello, I am Joshua P. Warren, and this is Joshua P. Warren Daily. I'm about to say something that I never thought I would ever say in my entire life. I am building a time machine. Once more, I am building a time machine. And I mean, I'm working on it right now, today. However, do I think it's going to work? No. I would have to be insane to believe that I could build a working time machine, right? I mean, that would be the most magnificent, monumental, earth-shattering achievement in human history, perhaps. But, what if it does work? What if it does work? Uh, let's, let's spend today sort of digging into this realistically for a moment. And let me clarify a few things. When I say I'm building a time machine, and by the way, it's, it's not that hard. I know it sounds hard to, to, to build a time machine, but it's not that hard to build a time machine that doesn't work. What's hard is building one that does work. So that's why I say, you know, this is not, it's not that elaborate. It's not, it doesn't look nearly as cool as what you're envisioning from the movie. Uh, You know, basically what I'm talking about here is something that can deviate time on a, a very, very small scale. This is a small machine that does a small thing. But that doesn't really matter because given all that we know about, you know, the mainstream sciences and the world we live in, um, it is supposed to be impossible for a human to create some kind of a stationary machine that will deviate time at all uh, with any notability. And, And so, I mean, to do that... To be able to do that and to demonstrate that would be a, a huge, huge step. So I'm not necessarily talking about something that I'm going to step into that's going to transport me back in time or into the future or whatever. Although, if something like I'm working on succeeds, then it could open the door to you know producing more powerful elaborate instruments and machines that will eventually lead to that. So when you start working in this realm, and and by the way, I mean, if I created some kind of a working time machine that would manipulate time to any degree, it would be so huge that, uh, I mean, I I would would love the, the glory of saying, yes, Look, I did it. I created a time machine. and Because I'm spending all this time uh, throughout my life defending the legitimacy and the need for paranormal research. And that would be sort of a great way of confirming that, hey, there is a reason to look into all these fringe topics. I'd love to be able to say, here you go. Because I, you know, yes, I've come up with all kinds of interesting little inventions and things that apply to metaphysics and 
paranormal research, but I haven't created a better toaster for you or a more efficient light bulb or anything like that. And so it would be pretty cool to have some kind of a machine there, a mechanism, that, and you can show it and say, look, this is manipulating time. This is a time machine. And so I was thinking, if I succeed, and I, I came up with uh, a lot of ideas about how to do this, uh, not on my own, though. There are other scientists. I'm not going to tell you too much specifically about what I'm doing until it's done. But I came up with uh, a design based upon some of my own research and what I've learned from other scientists who think about this. Um, Lauren, my faithful engineer, uh, she is uh, and, and, and wife is working right now on assembling various parts for this thing. She has far more um, artistic hands than I do. And so I was thinking if this thing actually works, if, if this works, the initial instinct would want to be to rush to the internet and to tell everybody this works and to start sharing all this information with the world and, and, and staking that claim, you know, planting that flag saying, look, I was the first person to to apparently do this and get get it out there to the world. I wouldn't be patenting anything. When, when people come up with something amazing and they go through the patent process, it just takes forever. And we live in a very fast-paced world, and by the time that patent's cleared and you're ready to bring it to market, well, somebody else may just have something out there. They beat you to it, so you may as well just say, screw it. If you come up with something cool, just put it out there. Put it out there with your name on it, and uh, it'll come back to you. You know, you'll get you'll get the rewards that you're due. But I was thinking, all right, yeah, I would I would love to run to the internet and to say, oh, alert, 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 time travel has been created, time machine invented. I can prove it reliably, consistently. But then I started thinking, wait a second, is that the responsible thing to do? Because whoever you are right now listening to this podcast, and thank you for doing that, Thank you for being a part of this family of, well, high strangers who are all sort of pushing the boundary of what's possible, at least when it comes to thoughts and ideas. Whoever you are, I bet you you've never really thought that you might have a shot at inventing a time machine that works. And that's just not something, again, that a normal, rational person thinks about. But I've started thinking about, wow, what if this works? And again, it's not something that um, you expect to have to deal with. And you might say, well, what's the point in speculating until it does work, and then you can figure it out? But you just can't help it. You just can't help it. I mean, when you're serious about something, and you're, I mean, you're sitting down with parts and you put money and labor into this and and you're building something. You, you have to, to think about, well, what, what do I do if this works? Because even if this thing at this stage 
with my resources doesn't produce that wormhole that you can jump through that will take you somewhere else in time and by the way that might not be a place that's very good for you you know it'd be fascinating to go back in time but it would probably suck in ways you can't even imagine being in the past and being in the future might suck in ways that we can't imagine as well i mean i'm pretty darn happy with where i am right now so i'm in no hurry to jump into a wormhole and travel to another point in time especially knowing that i could get trapped there but what i do find amazing is the idea that we might not have to physically travel through time we might just be able to send data or information through time so that is to say perhaps i could create something that taps into this technology that would allow you to observe the past or observe the future without having to physically displace yourself now that i would like that would be awesome to me being able to have a device where i could scroll back through time and witness events in real time as they actually unfolded and you take your pick whatever it is you'd like to see napoleon defeated jesus on the cross um you know the, the the launch to the moon i mean whatever it is the building of the pyramids how many people would want to go back and see how the pyramids were built or how the figures on easter island were moved into place i mean like who, who wouldn't want to do that and that is a realistic possibility that um you might be able to at least come up with a way for you to observe things at another point in time but then that also opens a can of worms because well if you can observe what happened in the past well how does how does privacy fit into that so let's say i create a device where i can go to a motel room and i put on my goggles and i'm able to scroll back and see what happened in the motel room yesterday or last week or last month or last year and I'm just seeing, like a voyeur, what occurred there. Well, is that right, that I should have the moral ability to do that just because I have the technological ability? Of course it's not right. And the same thing goes for the future, for that matter. So, you'd have to really think, do I just want to hand that over to the world? So that people can just take that and run with it and do whatever they want? Uh, No. No, of course not. Do you think it's possible that maybe in the future we figure out time travel to such a degree that we could physically travel back in time, but humans cannot endure that stress? And so instead we have to send machines back in time that are like little probes that can view things for us and that's what many of these ufos are that's why they're so elusive that's why they are machines that seem to exhibit some artificial intelligence because these are machines from the future that could withstand the forces of traveling back in time in order to observe us and entertain and educate those in the future why not i've always thought that you know ghost research 
Um, it ha- it, it's got a pretty wacky reputation, but there is a practical application there to understanding how information gets recorded in the environment of space-time. And this would be one of those implications, learning how to manipulate space-time so that you could look back and observe history as it actually occurred. Another aspect that's fascinating is to think if you could go back and actually view history as it occurred, then that could be very upsetting to the belief systems that hold us in place today. I mean, what if you went back in time and, well, well, let's just take Christianity again, you know, that's uh, the world's biggest religion. What if you were to go back and to try to witness the resurrection of Jesus and uh, it, it just didn't happen the way that people believe it happened? Well, can you imagine people would say the devil put that technology there to deceive you you know it would be that upsetting to people um so a lot there are many many moments in history that would be viewed from a whole fresh angle and it's possible that even if i'm not the one who's able to create this time machine that can look back uh maybe somebody else will maybe somebody else has in the future you know i wrote about this and the problems with time travel in my book the secret wisdom of kukulkan in which i talked about the paratemporal loop hypothesis and in a nutshell the hypothesis is that if ever 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 in the infinite future some species is going to figure out how to travel back in time they will do it and not only will they do it but they will do it to if they can tweak things that will help them out in the future and what you end up with and I describe this in great detail in the book so I won't go into it now uh, are loops within loops within loops of people who are traveling from different species in the future back to the past competing with each other constantly shifting the timelines around each trying to benefit that particular person's present Uh, and that is why you have um, maybe stuff like the Mandela effect I have written about that long before that term was coined I call it the dead celebrities phenomenon where one one day a celebrity is dead and the next day they're alive and everybody's like huh Um, so we all have these kind of collective experiences not all of us but large groups of us where we notice something one day and then the next day it's all it's different maybe one day bigfoot exists and the next day he doesn't you know maybe one day flying saucers are zipping around and the next day they aren't and it's not about some kind of an isolated phenomenon um that's right there close to home it's about a larger view of reality in general and what's happening here with the timelines and maybe figures like men in black are there to police the timelines and try to bring some order to this chaos my book the secret wisdom of kukulkan digs into to that and a lot more and you can read that book instantly right now as an ebook if you go to joshuapwarren.com and click the link to the curiosity shop you can go there and download it as a pdf you can read on any device and people love that book it's about interdimensional contact 
and a holosentient universe. So I, I get into ghosts, spirits, cryptids, ESP, psychic phenomena, aliens, UFOs, demons, angels, orbs. I mean, all that stuff is in the secret wisdom of Kukul Khan. So I, you know, getting back to the point here, I question, okay, if I am able to create any version of realistic, consistent time travel, even if we're talking about nanoseconds here, that can open the door to all these other versions of time travel. And at that point, is it better for me to keep this as a secret to myself and those who are right here, you know, with me? Or is it better to release this information to the world and just see where it goes from there? I mean, I feel like that it'll, it'll probably be released eventually anyway. But I still have to question my own involvement with this, my own participation, my own contribution, if indeed I get a positive result and this works. So I guess it goes down to the old, you know, John Quinones question or whatever. What would you do? What would you do? If you happen to be in a position where you create a time machine that could at least allow you to see something in the past and maybe your time machine only just picks up a slight deviation but you know this is opening the door and this is showing everybody well it was so much simpler than you thought I mean I used to have big conversations with with Charles Yost about the fact that uh, it seems like, you know, we study black holes and wormholes and singularities as these gigantic, monstrous things that are way out there at unimaginable distances in space. But what if we actually are intimately immersed within singularities. What if there is a singularity at the center of every single atom? And that's why we have these subatomic particles that just sort of pop in and out of existence and we don't know where they go. What if we are just sort of, you know, what we call our reality is kind of a film that builds up on the outskirts of this realm where singularities exist and we envision it as being something different than it really is so we think of it as being this gigantic destructive tornado in space that just sort of stretches everything into spaghetti and then dissolves it into a billion pieces but what if that's not all of it maybe that's just part of it what if there is this whole backdrop of of singularity and we are immersed within it and so we can't see the forest because we're in the forest it's easier for us to to look outside at other forests than it is for us to look around ourselves and see the forest that we are in because we don't expect reality to look like this when it's next to a wormhole right 
we don't expect to see a blue sky and a bright sun and clouds and houses and restaurants and but maybe we are a layer butted right up against the energy of of a singularity of a black hole of a wormhole and that's why we can't figure out where our consciousness comes from we can't figure out where our dreams come from where our personality is stored um it's stored in that other place that we're up against and so we are here sort of within this mysterious rung and uh, we're trying to understand what it's like to live within the context of a wormhole or a black hole or whatever you want to call it and if that's the case then this might all be much more prevalent than we've ever thought so to achieve time travel and time manipulation might not actually be as hard as we thought it might just be right there in your living room in your bedroom in your backyard if you just know how to just tweak it a little bit just twist space a little bit so that time is twisted a little bit that's kind of what i'm working on i'm not going to get into details at this point but it may be that there are singularities everywhere all around us and it doesn't take that much to sort of tap into it now Ronald Heath who invented the DT meter he knows that I'm working on a project like this and so he sent me a special version of his circuit for my experiments that is even more sensitive than his original DT meter circuit Um, and this one is uh, going to really allow me to take very precise measurements about whether or not what I'm doing here will manipulate space-time in some way that could actually be considered a version of time travel I'm still uncertain as to how to deal with this as to you know if I'm successful do I keep it to myself or do I run to the internet and announce it to the world I don't know I'm gonna have to do more thinking on that if you have thoughts on it then I hope that you'll email me and let me know but I will tell you that at this point my feeling is if I have any success with this the first time I will be presenting this to others will be on Saturday October the 13th 2018 at the Ruby Theater in Los Angeles that's when I have my event there and if I if I make some progress I'm going to I'm going to show everybody there for the first time what I have built And if you want to know more about that event, just go to joshuapwarren.com, joshuapwarren.com, and click the link at the top of the page. So I have a lot on my mind. I have a lot to think about. And um, hey, if 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 it doesn't work, then you know I'll tell you it doesn't work. But if it does work, then I really, really have to go into to a deep uh, 
thinking mode and figure out how I how I handle this if I'm better off to keep it private or just give it give it to everybody so and you know what are the implications of both so if you go to joshuapwarren.com you can you can stay updated Uh, this podcast is called Joshua P. Warren Daily that's because I try to leave one for you every day it's always short it's always free and uh, you can click the link there at joshuapwarren.com to the podcast and subscribe through various means or just follow me on Twitter at Joshua P. Warren at Joshua P. Warren and I will uh, tweet when a new one is available so thank you for listening thank you for your interest and support thank you for staying curious and I will talk to you again soon